Welcome to episode 16. We are talking about the third temple. That's right, the third temple. Did you know that in the end, there will be a third temple that is built physically and that that is coming? But the real temple you're going to hear about tonight, the real third temple, we're going to hear about it. But you know that this temple is already being built. That can only mean one thing. That can mean that the end times are on the way. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I believe we're living in the end times. I believe we're living in the moment where you're going to see Jesus come back to get his bride. But he's going to come back to get those people who are ready, who are prepared to be with him. Are you awake? in this hour? Have you prepared and cleansed your temple? Are you ready to meet Jesus when he comes to get his bride? That's what we're talking about tonight. So I want to jump right into it. And um, this is what we're talking about. The third, John of the third temple over in Israel. So the, the, the first temple Solomon built, it was destroyed. Then there was another temple built after that. And that was the one that Jesus walked in himself. And he actually said that temple would be destroyed. And it was destroyed in 70 AD. And the third temple has not been built yet. But did, man, I don't know if you know this, but the third temple, do you know this, has already been built, but they store it in a warehouse. It's, it's all put together. It's ready to be built right now. It's like Lincoln Logs. It's already built, and they put it in a warehouse, and it's only whenever they get the right time, and everybody says that they can build it right there on the Temple Mount, it's only going to take six months to put that thing together. Man, that ought to send chills up your spine because the Jews that um, aren't believers, they believe that there needs to be a third temple to be built in order for the Messiah to come. And so they're excited to do that because they believe the Messiah is on the way. We, of course, know that Jesus is the Messiah. And tonight I want to talk about the temple that Jesus is building, the real third temple. But I want you to see that, that, that you know, that the, the third temple, the physical third temple that's going to help bring in the end times has already been built. It's in a warehouse, like stored up like Lincoln Logs, and all the furnishings are there. The menorah, like everything that is needed for the temple, the show, the, the tables, the, all the stuff to, to, for the Holy of Holies and all of that things like you hear about in the Bible, it's already there. You know what also was one of the, the final things that had to be done is that the priest, the priest, when they when they when the priests go into the temple to prepare the temple for the sacrifices, for the holy holies, all of the things that they do to purify the temple, they also had to purify themselves. And one of the things it talks about in the Bible, it says that there has to be a pure red heifer in order for the a priest to be able to purify themselves and consecrate themselves in order to carry out their duties in the temple. Did you know that the red heifer has come on the scene? Check this out right here. These red heifers have been farmed, only a few of them, that's right, right here in the United States, in Texas, the pure red heifer is on the scene. Now, what this means is the ritual purification of those who have touched a dead body. The priests who have touched a dead body have to have a sacrifice of a pure red heifer. Not one single hair can be any other color. And they have finally got these red heifers and they've transported them from America over to Israel, and they are, they're there. So this is what happened. The level of purification would be needed in order to allow the priest to carry out their work in the future temple. That's what these red heifers represent. They're over there, and they're ready to whenever it's needed. I'm telling you all, the third temple 
is getting ready to be built and we're going to see the end times unfold right in front of our eyes. But that really excites me because it lets me know that Jesus is getting ready to come back and get us. Are you ready? Are your loved ones ready? Are the people around you ready? You, you got to understand that eternity is real. We're so distracted by the things around us and we forget that Jesus is real. And I'm telling you what, he's coming back to get those who are ready. So the third temple is being built. This is what I want to tell you. So there's a third temple being built physically, but there's a third temple being built by Jesus. And that's the one I want to talk about tonight, that Jesus is the one who's really building the temple. In 1 Peter, um, in verse Peter chapter 2, verses 4 through 5, it says, You are coming to Christ, who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Now listen to this verse in verse 5. I'll pop it up here on the screen for you. It says this, and you are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. What's more, you are his holy priest through the meditation of Jesus Christ. You offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So the God is telling us right here. That we are living stones. We are a stone that's a part of the temple that Jesus is being built. Here is a model of the third temple that's being built over in Israel. This is a model right here. It's a model of what the third temple will look like in today's world. This is the modern, a modern model of it. You can see the outer courts, the inner courts, and then there's the Holy of Holies. And Jesus is going to be... Um, building, but see these stones, pick out a stone and each there's all the bricks on there had to be built on top of the cornerstone, on top of the cornerstone, on top of the cornerstone. Each stone is very important. But did you know that Jesus says that we are living stones? I love this, that we are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. The real third temple, y'all, is being built. It's us. We are the living stones. Each believer in Jesus Christ is a stone that's built on the cornerstone Jesus. It's being built and then God is going to live in us, dwell in us. We are the temple. God will dwell with us for all of eternity and we are the real temple that's being built. Let me, let me prove it to you in another verse here in 1 Corinthians 3 16. It says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? Look at that. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple. He's telling us right there that we are God's temple. We are the living stones that um, God has said. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19, it says, have you forgotten that your body is now sacred, the temple of the spirit of holiness who lives in you? You don't belong to yourself any longer for the gift of God. The Holy Spirit lives inside your sanctuary you were God's expensive purchase paid for with tears of blood. So by all means, then use your body to bring glory to God. That's 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 in the Passion Translation. So if we are, you know, there's been a battle for the temple since Solomon built the first temple. The Satan has been battling to tear down this temple. Why? It's because God said he dwells in the temple and that the temple is used for his presence to dwell in and for us to offer sacrifices in. And so Satan wants to tear down that temple. So he tore down the first temple. He tore down the second temple. 
And he's trying to tear down the third temple being built, which is us. We're the living stones. And he tries to tear down each. Uh, uh, he tries to tear down the temple by tearing down each one of us and help and getting us distracted and falling into sin and falling into detestable acts and being a part of things we know we shouldn't be a part of. And our stones begin to just fall down and crumble all around us. He's trying to take down this temple that Jesus is building. But I got news for you. It ain't going to happen but I want you to know that there is a battle for the temple and you are the temple you know why your Christian life is so hard is because you're a living stone and that Satan is trying to tear you down because you're a part of the third temple he's trying to destroy that temple in, in Matthew chapter 1 is when Matthew starts to go through the genealogy of Jesus he starts to go in through king by king by king from King David all the way all the way through the kings all the way through the kings all the way until Jesus is born. And it's amazing that you find that Jesus' father, Joseph, was in the, the, the right lineage to be king and that Jesus comes from a... It's amazing to me that in both Joseph and in Mary's lineage that Jesus is in the... He was not just the king of kings because he is the son of God. He was in the rightful line to be king. He's the rightful... He's in the rightful line to be the head of the church, to be be the cornerstone of the temple. And it's very important that you see that. And tonight I will be showing you that all of the kings that are in the genealogy of, of Jesus, the, 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 it starts out in Matthew chapter 1 in the New Testament. The New Covenant starts out proving that Jesus is king, that he is the cornerstone of the temple that's being built. And this is very important. He's the head of the church. And those of us who are believers are living stones that are being piled up on top of him, building something that's magnificent in the spirit. But y'all, I've got to read something to you that I ran across this week that was just very, very intriguing to me. It takes place in John chapter 2. I'm going to read from the NIV version. So if you got your Bible, turn there for a moment because I'm going to read for about seven or eight verses because I want you to hear this story before I go any further because this story is very important to what I'm about to say. So if you are, get your Bible out, John chapter 2. Let me get some water here. John chapter 2, verse 13 through 22, and this is the NIV version. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, what sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, it has taken 46 years to build this temple and you are going to raise it in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Let me show you this verse right here. John chapter 2, verse 21, he says this, But the temple he had spoken of was his body body. Now, all through that, we find out that we are the temple. We are the body of Christ. 
Jesus was said, if you destroy this temple, I will rebuild it in three days. He was talking about his body, but we are also his body. He is the head. We are the remaining members of his body. And this is very important for us to see is because it says, um, but the temple had been spoken of. The temple he had spoken of was his body. Y'all, we are the temple. And this is what the verse I want you to I want to focus on for a second. It says, zeal for your house will consume. Me. Did you know that Jesus was in the temple there and he saw that where his father was dwelling in the Holy of Holies and out there in the inner court, outer court, they had turned this place into a market. They had brought in sinful acts, detestable things. They had done things that were impure and they were bringing so much into the temple that didn't need to be there where God was dwelling and where God, we were, we were offering sacrifices and all of these things. And Jesus, but there was a zeal that consumed him to cleanse the temple and to purify the temple. You got to hear this. We are to have a zeal for the house of the Lord. We are to have a passion for a clean temple. If you claim to be a part of the body of Christ, then to the, then cleanse your part of the temple. Get these detestable things out of your life. Y'all, if we are the temple, if we are living stones, that means that you are a room of the temple. That means that you have to get a zeal for your house. You've got to get a zeal for God's house, for the temple of God, and you've got to cleanse it and purify it and get it ready for God to come in and dwell for all of eternity. And I promise you this, in the end, the bride of Christ will be prepared. She will be spotless, blameless, without fault. And I'm, I'm telling you, and it's going to happen that the stones are going to be cleansed. It's going to happen when we get a zeal for the house of God, when we get a zeal for the temple of God. Do you have a zeal for the passion? Do you have a zeal for the house of God? Do you have a zeal for the temple? Are you cleansing your life and preparing it for Jesus to come and to dwell inside of you? Let his anointing flow through you like never, ever before. Y'all, when I read that and I saw that Jesus had a zeal to cleanse the temple and that we are the temple, y'all, we, we have to carry on that zeal and it's not about just getting saved. Yes, when you get saved, the blood of Jesus covers you. And you are in right standing with God. So if you die, you're going to meet him and be in, in his presence in a relationship with him forever. But while you live on this earth, it's your responsibility to cleanse the temple so God can dwell in you. You can feel the anointing of God. If we're going to see a revival in these days, if we're going to see an awakening, it's going to happen when the bride of Christ begins to cleanse the temple, take on a zeal to cleanse the temple, to take on a zeal, to have a zeal for the house of God. Once again, I'm telling y'all there's something happening in the spirit. I can feel it. I woke up last night praying, just praying in the spirit, praying. I woke up out of my sleep, praying in the spirit. God is doing something in the spirit and I can feel it. And it's coming down to us cleansing ourselves and being ready for Jesus to do something through us that only he can do to shake us out of this, of the, the distraction, to shake us out of our sleepiness. Yes, we are asleep. The only way we can have a revival or an awakening is to admit that we are asleep. And we got to say, Jesus, please wake me up. 
where I'm asleep and I'm telling you something is happening. So I want to go on a journey through the early days of the temple. So in Second in Chronicles chapter 3 is where we find that Solomon begins to build the temple. He builds the temple in chapter 3. He dedicates the temple in chapter 5 and 6. And then it coming over in chapter 7, he's also dedicating the temple to God. First, I want to pause here. Have you dedicated your temple to God? Do you need to rededicate your temple to God, your stone, your living stone? You're a part of the temple. Do you need to rededicate it to God? So God is Solomon is dedicating this temple to the Lord. And this is what the Lord says right here in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 12. I actually got it. I'm going to put it on the screen for you so you can see it. It says, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. You've got to see that. It's very important. He says that I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. So what does that mean? A temple is a place where God dwells and where we offer sacrifices. It's very important that you understand that and that you see that. And that is what's happened. God has chosen us. Think about this. If we are the third temple that Jesus is building, that God has chosen us to live inside of. Whoa. Like, He's chosen us to live inside of us. And have, when is the last time that you have offered a living sacrifice to God because you are the temple? A temple is where God dwells and a place to offer sacrifices. I want to read in Romans. It helps us to understand this. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. In case you want to read it on the screen, here it is right here. Verse one, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Why is Paul saying that? He's saying that is because we are the temple. We're the third temple that Jesus is building. And a temple is for God to dwell in and also a place that offers sacrifices. So when's the last time that you have offered a sacrifice to Jesus? Al offered a sacrifice to God. Your life is supposed to be a living sacrifice. Jesus became the sacrifice on the cross and died for us. And now he's saying, I want you to be a living sacrifice for me. And if that, in that verse that I shared earlier in 1 Peter, it says it tells us to make spiritual sacrifices that please God by how? By meditating on Jesus. I'll pop that verse up there for you again so you can see it. It says this, through the meditation of Jesus Christ, you offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. So when you meditate on Jesus, you are offering sacrifices that please God. When your life is just just consumed with Jesus, you become a living sacrifice for Jesus. And this is what is needed here in the end times for us to 
Follow Jesus as a living sacrifice. So in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, Solomon is dedicating the temple. He's dedicating the temple, and God says, I want to dwell in you, and you are my temple. This is a temple that I want to come and dwell in, and, and, and this is the instructions that God gives for a temple. He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then they will hear from heaven and forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Now listen, now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place. God, you're the temple. So when you offer prayers in your place, the place, the temple where you are, God will hear you if you do these things. I have chosen and consecrated this temple so that my name will be there forever. My eyes and my heart will always be there. Listen to this right here. As for you, if you walk before me as your father David did and do all I command and observe my decrees and laws, I will establish your royal throne. But if you turn away from and forsake the decrees and commands I have, for, I have given you and go off and serve other gods and worship them, then I will uproot Israel from my land, which I have given them, and I will reject this temple I have consecrated for my name. So God gives us what? He gives us instructions for the temple, for the third temple. We are the third temple. So if we are the next temple that's being built, we must follow the instructions that God gave for a temple, and that's to what? Follow his decrees, follow his commands, listen to his voice, be obedient and give us give God a clean place to live in and also be a place that you offer sacrifices. You got to be a living sacrifice for God. Man, this fires me up in that we are now the temple he is living in. And these instructions now apply to us as the living temple, the living stones. We must live by the ways of the Lord. We must do all he commands us and observe his decrees and laws and that's simply this by Jesus says what he says the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul all your mind and all your strength and then love your neighbor as yourself do unto others as you would have them do unto you and Jesus says this that those laws right there sum up all of the law and the prophets did you know if you do unto others as you would have them do unto you that you are living out the entire bible Yes, that's how I got poison ivy this week. My neighbor, they, I could tell that they obviously were going through something and their grass just needed to be cut. And they had weeds that were everywhere. And I said, you know, God just put on my heart to go over there and cut their grass for them. I said, and he just put on my heart. He said, Brad, Christianity is very simple. If you just love your neighbor as yourself, and then what? He says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Well, I would love for someone to come and cut my grass. So I did it unto them. And I just wanted to love my neighbor as I was loving myself. And so I went over there, began to cut the grass. And y'all, you won't believe all the ministry opportunities that came out of that. My neighbor across the street, who I'd helped him before, he came out. He says, you're at it again, aren't you? And I said, yeah, man, I just, I, I recognized that. And he and his wife were there in the car. And I got to minister to him. I said, Christianity is just simple. If we just love our neighbor and then do unto others as we'd have them do unto you, we live out the entire Bible. And he looked at me, he said, and you know what? That's way more fulfilling. That's way more fulfilling. He says, I bet you are just full in the spirit, aren't you? And I said, I'm real full. I said, today's my day off. I could have went and played golf, but I would rather go cut my neighbor's grass. And I was so satisfied in the spirit. And joy came all over me while I was cutting my neighbor's grass. Then my other neighbor is pulling out of his driveway. And he says, what are you doing, Brad? And I said, man, 
God's just given me, he just told me to do unto others, and he stopped me. He says, as, as, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. And he quoted the verse. And this is someone I've been trying to minister to for a long time. He said, I'm going to pay my cell phone bill. When I get back, I'm going to come out here and help you. He came back, he grabbed his weed eater, and we went to town together. And I got to talk to him and minister to him while I'm cutting my other neighbor's grass. Then my other neighbor came out, and he was confused, and he was like, what are you doing? And I looked at him, and I said, man... God just put on my heart. He compelled me to cut my neighbor's grass. And he I said, if, if I love my neighbor, I'm living out the entire Bible. If I do unto others, I, I'm living out the entire Bible. And this is what happened. I was able to minister to like four or five neighbors, not to mention the people who I was cutting their grass. And they were so thankful for what they were doing. They were Some of them were sick. The lady was uh, just about to have a baby. She's like right at the, the last few weeks of having a baby. And it was just they needed it. And it just ministered to the whole neighborhood because I took time to 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 hear the voice of the Lord and live out God's laws, which his laws in the new covenant are very simple. And it's to love him and to love people. And of all things, the person's house, so I cut their grass when I went to the door and knocked on the door and told them I was cutting their grass. The lady had on a shirt that said, love God and love people. Man, I was moved. I was like, I just knew I was in the will of God. And I just want you to know, if you are the temple of God, you can be a living sacrifice. And the way you live that out is to love your neighbor as yourself and to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And you will live out the law and the prophet right there all in one sentence. If you want to meditate on a verse this week, meditate on that verse that says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, and you will be moved to do so much for the people around you. And we're going to go through a journey of the early days of the temple. So bear with me. I'm going to flip through some of the uh, chapters here in the Bible. So we're in 2 Chronicles. Chapter 7 is where Solomon, um, he goes into uh, dedicating the temple. Well, then after him comes his son, King Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, it did, he did not follow the ways of the Lord. Now you've got to say, God gave Solomon instructions to follow the ways of the Lord, follow the decrees of the Lord. Rehoboam did not follow the ways of the Lord. Abijah, he did follow the ways of the Lord. And then over in the next king, his, in his son, so you had Abijah, and then you had Asa. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. So he followed the ways of the Lord. Each king who was leading the country had a choice to follow the ways of the Lord and the decrees of the Lord to lead the people in the ways of the Lord. You are a king of your own house household, fathers and mothers, you have a choice to live out the ways of God, the ordinances of God, the decrees of God in front of your children and in front of your neighborhood, at your church, at your small group, at your Sunday school class, at work, at, at, everywhere you go, you have you you are leading people and you have a choice to make. Are you going to live out the ways of God? And these kings each had a choice. So Asa lived out the ways of God. Then we find a Jehoshaphat. Then he lived out the ways of God. And then Jehoram did not live out the ways of God. He did. Actually, it says this and it says he did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And you know that Jehoram actually married a daughter of King Ahab. Now, King Ahab was one of the most wicked kings. You find this in first Kings 16, I believe. And he says that this king, King Ahab, did more evil in the sight of the Lord than any of the kings before him. He sacrificed his sons. He did all kind of crazy things. And he actually married Jezebel. You ever heard of the Jezebel spirit? King Ahab actually married 
Jezebel. And then it says Jehoram. He said that he, this, listen to this. He says, he walked in the ways of the kings of Israel as the house of Ahab had done, for he married a daughter of Ahab. He married Jezebel's daughter and her name was Athaliah. And if you go down in the genealogy of Jesus in Matthew, it there are three kings that are omitted and it is uh, in, after Jehoram, and it's the next three kings as Isaiah, and then it has Joash is omitted, and then Amaziah. These three are these three kings are omitted in the genealogy of Jesus. Why? It's because this right here. If you look at Exodus chapter twenty, verse four and five, it says, "You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth, beneath or the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am." a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me. Jehoram married a daughter of Ahab, who was the most wicked king. And so that means this, the daughter Athaliah was generation one, King Azahiah, generation two. King Joash was generation three. And King Amaziah, generation four. And then guess what happens? The genealogy picks up again. And King Uzziah decides to live out the ways of the Lord. And then you have Jotham, who also did live out the ways of the Lord, I believe. And then I want to get to this part right here. I'm doing a, a quick run through of these kings that are in the genealogy of Jesus and following the early days of the temple, who was living out the instructions of the temple and who was not, because there is a battle for the temple. Each king that came on the scene had a decision to make. Was they going to lead people in the ways of God because Satan wanted to destroy the temple because that's where God dwells and that is where the sacrifices are made. So King Ahaz comes on the scene in 2 Chronicles chapter 20 and listen to what King Ahaz does. Ahaz gathered together the furnishings from the temple of God and cut them in pieces. He shut the doors of the temple and set up altars at every street corner in Jerusalem. This king right here did some evil in the sight of the Lord, and he ended up shutting the doors of the temple. Y'all, that is what Satan is after. He's after us. He's after to shut the doors of the temple. And, and king, he, he, he succeeded in shutting the doors of the temple, and King Ahaz's reign, and that is what he's after in our life. If we are now the temple of Jesus Christ, if we are now the temple that God dwells in, we're the third temple, we are the living stones that are being built into the temple, then Satan is trying to close the doors of the temple in each one of us. Are your heart's doors open? Are your heart's are the doors of your heart open to Jesus? Are you open to the ways of God? Are you living the ways of God? Are you cleansing and purifying yourself of the things that you need to cleanse and purify yourself as you are the temple? Because Satan is trying to battle really hard against the temple, and that is you and me. Don't forget, the third temple is already built over in Israel. It's just got to be put together when they get the right things. Let me tell you what. The stones, the final stones, the final living stones are being placed on the cornerstone of Jesus. This gives me chills. You're a living stone. I'm a living stone. But the condition of our stone, 
What is the condition of our stone? Is it dirty? Does it need to be pressure washed off? Does is it got some chips in it? What is it needs to happen? We've got to get our stone, this stone. Brad Graydon has to get this stone ready for Jesus to come back. And when we, if we build each of our stones, we purify our stones, cleanse our stones, and that is being built, that's what attracts the presence of God. A temple is what attracts the presence of God, y'all. God came and dwelled in the temple that Solomon built so much. The glory of God filled that temple with the train of his robe and the priest couldn't even go into the temple because God's presence was so strong. God loves to dwell in a temple. We are the temple. And if each stone, if I, if, if, if my stone is built on, in, on top of Jesus, and, and then Haley's stone is built on top of Jesus, and looks like Miss Tracy's watching tonight and her stone is built on top of Jesus, and whoever's out there watching tonight and when you watch online and your stone is built on top of Jesus we are building the temple Jesus is building this temple and I'm telling you what something is exciting to happen there's going to be the final stones the final pieces that are put on there and God's going to come dwell there's going to be a revival and an awakening like you could never ever imagine if you want to see revival happen it's going to happen when you cleanse your temple I cleanse my temple and we get this thing ready and purified for Jesus to come back to get us. So uh, the next king that comes on the scene, the last one I want to talk about tonight, is King Hezekiah. And we find King Hezekiah in 2 Chronicles chapter 29. Now, you got to understand this. Hezekiah is the son of King Ahaz. Guess what that means? Just because your leaders or spiritual fathers forsook the Lord does not mean that you have to. You can stop it and you can turn things around by making right decisions and choosing to live out the ways of God, the decrees of God, the commands of God, the laws of God, living out his, just following his voice. Each person listening to my voice tonight, each person living has a choice. Are they going to live out the ways of God or are they going to live for the world? What are you going to do? What is your choice? Well, Hezekiah was raised underneath King Ahaz, who was living evil, but his mother his mother raised him very, oh man, this is his mother. I think her name was Abijah. She came on the scene and she raised a godly son underneath an evil king, her, her, her husband. She was a queen and raised a, um, a godly son underneath a evil king. Listen here, mom, dad out there. You have the choice to raise your children. You don't know if you're raising up someone who's going to lead the next revival in this land or in a next revival in a state or in a nation, in a country. This lady, Abijah, was a queen to an evil king, but she kept believing that her son was going to live a godly life and he was going to bring revival to this land. And this is exactly what happens. When Ahaz dies, Hezekiah becomes king and Look at the first thing that Hezekiah does right here. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. This is the first thing that Hezekiah did on the scene when he became king. He said, y'all, 
I am going to reopen the doors that my father has shut. Has your spiritual father hurt you in the past? Has your, a spiritual leader hurt you in the past? Has someone done something to you in the past and you have a lot of spiritual wounds and you have allowed Satan to close the temple doors of your heart and you're no longer allowing the presence of God to come into your heart and convict you and cleanse you and purify you? What are you going to do about this? You've got to reopen the temple doors of your heart, just like Hezekiah did. We got to have some Hezekiahs out there tonight who are saying, you know what? I've been hurt by the past. I've been hurt by people before me who have hurt me, but I'm going to come on the scene and I believe God's got a special purpose for me and I'm going to reopen the temple doors of my heart and I'm going to repair them. I'm going to repair my relationship with God. Does your relationship with God need to be repaired tonight? I'm telling you right now, God is looking for people to repair their relationship with him, to reopen the temple doors of their heart. Did you know that the next thing that uh, King Hezekiah did is the second thing that he did is he brought back in the priest and the Levites back into the temple. This is important because they were the ones delivering all of the, the duties in the temple. They were speaking to the people. You know, when you get hurt spiritually, I've been hurt spiritually. Have you been hurt spiritually? It's very easy to shut yourself off, to close off yourself to all the people around you. Even when God sends good, godly men and women to you to speak life to you, it's easy to shut them off because you've been hurt before and you don't want to trust anybody else. But the second thing that Hezekiah did is he brought the people back into the temple who could be a voice to the people. The second thing you need to do is you need to Reopen up your heart to the voices of the men and women of God in your life. God has men and women of God all around you that want to speak into your life, but you've got to open up your ears and open up your eyes and open up your heart for their voice to speak back into you. That's the second thing that Hezekiah did. The third thing that he did is he called for the people to purify themselves and the temple of the Lord. Hezekiah comes on the scene and he's hitting it quick. He's preparing the temple. He's opening temple doors. He's bringing people back in who have a voice to people's lives. And he's saying, now it's our turn to purify the temple and to purify our lives. So I'm asking you tonight, when's the last time you got serious about purifying your life? Y'all, you're a living stone. You are built on top of Jesus Christ. We've got to live a pure life. Salvation is about being right with him when we are in heaven. But purifying our life on this earth is about being purified while we walk with him on earth. It's our job to cleanse ourselves and to purify ourselves as we walk with him on earth. As we listen to his voice, the Holy Spirit will speak to you on a daily basis. And if you'll just listen to his voice, he will teach you how to be holy. His name is Holy Spirit because he teaches you how to be holy as God is holy, how to purify yourself, how to cleanse yourself. And if you listen to him, he will teach you how to do this. And then the fourth and final thing that he does, he says this fourth thing he did was he told them to remove all the defiled things from the sanctuary, all the defiled things. What are the defiled things in your life that need to be removed in this moment? Jesus is getting ready to come back. He's coming back for a pure and spotless bride. What are the things in your life that need to be removed? Removal because Jesus 
is getting ready to do something special. You are the third temple that's being built. It's a special thing that each one of us get to be a part of. It's more than we can ever fathom with our, with our mind. It's more than we could ever imagine. We can't even imagine that God himself wants to dwell inside of us, and he does live inside of us, and that we are supposed to be a living sacrifice for him. So are you going to allow, let's say, are you going to allow Jesus, are you going to allow the King of Kings to take the seat of the rightful seat of his throne. Did you know in the Holy of Holies, in the temple is the throne, is the, is the Ark of the Covenant, which was the throne of God. And that's where God sits in his temple on the throne. Are you going to allow Jesus to sit on the Ark of the Covenant inside your temple, sit on his throne in your heart? Or are you going to be like Hezekiah and, and repair the temple Repair your relationship with God, cleanse the temple, purify it, or are you going to be like King Ahaz and choose to live evil in the sight of the Lord and shut the doors of the temple? Each one of us have a choice to make. Which one are you going to be? And that's the choice you have to make tonight. Are you going to, you going to, are you going to neglect the voice of the Lord or are you going to listen to him? Did you know that King Hezekiah brought a revival to his land because he did these things? We can bring revival to our land if we will cleanse our the room inside of us, cleanse our heart, cleanse our life of the things that need to be cleansed of, y'all. I can't. I went to a church this week and I was speaking and they were praying for revival and I looked them in the eyes and I said, y'all, Revival means that something has been dead and needs to be revived. Awakening is something that is when something falls asleep, it needs to be awakened. Well, guess what? Lost people, they're lost people. They haven't been awakened. They've never been revived in the first place. It's the bride of Christ that has fallen asleep. We are the ones that have to be awakened. We are the ones that have to be revived. When we are revived, by what? Opening our hearts back up to the temple of God and cleansing ourselves, purifying ourselves, and understand that we are living stones and purifying and getting the things out of our life that, that, that need to be out of our lives. This is how we are going to see revival. We're not going to see revival unless the temple itself, which is you and me, cleanse ourselves and then the glory of God will fall upon us and the glory of God will push away all the demonic presence in our region and people we've been praying for for years will flock to Jesus because they're no longer under the influence of the enemy because all of what me and you do in our alone time behind closed doors is be intimate with Jesus and cleanse the temple. Cleanse the temple, y'all, because that's what's going to bring revival. Dude, I am so excited about what God is doing. And the last thing I want to talk about really quick before I close is in the book of Nehemiah. It says this right here. There was a guy, Nehemiah was building the temple walls. He was building the temple walls back up for the Lord. And he said, and there's a guy that was against him. And he said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble? Burned as they are. Y'all, I don't know where you are in this moment of life. I don't know what condition your temple is in. Are you in a, 
is your temple like in a pile of rubble? Or is your temple been burned? Have you been burned? Have your stone been burned by the, by the past, by burned by other spiritual leaders? But I'm telling you what, that question, it just rings out inside of me. And that's how I want to end tonight. He says, will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from these heaps of rubble? Burned as they are. Let me tell you what Jesus Christ is going to do in the final hour. He's going to bring the stones, the living stones, back to life. Those people are going to be convicted. They're going to cleanse the temple. They're going to purify the temple. They're going to be blameless and they're going to be faultless. They're going to live a life before Jesus, loving their neighbor, doing unto others as they would have them do unto them. They are going to love God with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They are going to be brought back to life. This guy said, can these stones be brought back to life? I got news for you. Jesus can bring anything back to life. The Bible says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. He lives in me. Can we be brought back to life if we've been spiritually wounded and we are in heaps of rubble? Of course we can. Can we be brought back to life if we've been burned, if we've been charred by this world and by other spiritual leaders and the fathers who have gone before us? Have we been burned? Can we be brought back to life? Of course we can be brought back to life. And that's what Jesus is going to do in this final hour. And it comes down to you and to me as living stones, as Jesus is building this third temple. Are you going to have zeal for the house of the Lord? Are you going to have zeal to cleanse the temple? Are you going to turn over tables and cleanse the temple? Because it's going to come down to you and me cleansing our temple. And we're going to watch revival happen because God is getting ready to come and dwell inside of a temple that has cleansed their self for him to return. I hope that you are excited as I am about the third temple that is being built over in Israel because that is a sign that the end times are coming. It's also a sign that the third final temple, the real temple in the spirit is the final pieces of it are being put together. And we're about to see a revival like never, ever before.